You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 524, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. The absence of God will bring you comfort, baby, and planets for the poor. So let's pretend that we're rich. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick the Week podcast, episode 524. Think about that. Let that sit in. My name is Ron Richards, and I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. At least it's not as old as Josh. That's true. And Josh Flanagan. Right behind me, Grandpa. Or as we like to call him, Old Man Josh. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, the old man bit doesn't work if I'm actually old. Well, yeah. Yeah, it uh, does, because you, you continue acting way older than your actual number. Yeah. No, but I'm going to have to get, I'm going to have to act really old. Well, that won't be hard. You're not gonna have to gun out. I mean, like I'm gonna it. have to be like, like post-war racist generation. <laughs> anyway, I'll be, like, no, be like, no, it's a bit. Sure. <laughs> we are from iFanboy.com, and we like comics. Every week, we read a full stack of comics, and then one of us says, "This is the book that I like the most, and I'm gonna make it pick of the week." And then he tells the other two of us, and then we say, "Cool, we like these books too." And then we cough and ask where our soup is. Exactly. And then we we complain about being old and Ah. other stuff. And we also uh, read some of your emails that you sent in. And we're going to be doing some of that later on in the show. So stay tuned. It's all going to be fun. We're just going to have fun with it, guys. Mm -hmm. That's what we're going to do. We're going to sit back and have fun with it. But to maximize your fun, quick spoiler warning, this is a review show. So we're going to be talking about what happened in the comics. So if you're worried about getting your book spoiled, you might want to press pause and come back later on. You have been warned. Uh, This week, Connor had the pick. And he's shuffling papers again. Sorry, I was... Finish up the crossword over there? I was reading the paper while you were talking. Who did my crossword? Oh, God, I can't think of that movie. What movie? There's somebody crumpling up paper in someone's face to be annoying. There's a profile shot? They're standing, yes. Yep. Like, like... I want to say it's... I want to say it's like the Honeymooners, because... Oh, I, I... It's very violent. It's like... Crunch, yes. crunch, crunch. Yes, I can yes. picture it sort of. Right. Just so we can get back to the show, if you know what we're talking about, yeah. uh, email us or tweet us or put it on our Facebook page. You I, can I get I, it by the end of the show. Yeah. I can see it, Ron. It's very violent. Crumbling. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and the thing is, like, I feel like it's something that Ed Norton did to Ralph Cramden, but I don't think it's the Honeymooners. I think it, because I, I think it's in color. Hmm. So I think it's more recent. Well, they did but, colorize the Honeymooners. I'm seeing well, that, that, that's, film. That's, yeah, I see it as a movie. Yeah, like yeah. there's something. It's it's like someone's annoyed, and the other person then takes the paper and very deliberately crumples it up in their face. You know, like it's, it's a like it's, in a ball. Right. What is that? Is it Pat Kiernan doing it to his weather person? <laughs> no, I don't That's think so. Very specific. Is, that, um, is this a wrong show situation? Okay, so, so if you can if you can think of that, you email us at contactifanboy.com or tweet us at ifanboy or post on Facebook at facebook.com/slash/ifanboy. Connor, take it away. So there's a reason why I wasn't in a hurry to get to this book discussion. It's because after a long string of really great weeks of comics, this was a tough one. Yeah. I didn't have, like, any bad books, but I had a lot of... If we if this is the old website where we had the, the star ratings, I had a lot of three stars. A lot of three, you know, occasionally into the fours. I think it was a 3.5 week. So when I sat down to do the pick, I was like, well, shit. I don't have any idea what to do here. I actually... this is This has happened before, not often, but... As I was literally, and these guys don't know what I'm about to say. As I was literally writing the email to these guys to tell them what the pick was, I changed it. 
Wow. I, I wrote one thing down. I started writing the, the list of the wow. further books I wanted to talk about. And then I went, you know what? No, it's not that. And I changed it back. So wow. the pick ended up being The Goddamned, number three, from Jason Aaron, Arm Guerra, Julia Brusco. This is the uh, image book from the team behind Scalped. Colors by Julia Brusco. Right. Well, she's part of I said bye. I didn't say who she right. did. Okay. This is the team behind Scalped, and this is their image book about a life. Is this the new? T- I'm not, I know nothing about religion. Is this the, the new Old Testament? Testament? The Old Testament. The Old Testament. Yeah. New, the Old basically, Testament. new is after Jesus. Oh, see, I see. Even There's I know that. Jesus Even part. I know that, and I didn't pay attention in religion. I don't know anything, Ron. I just said it. Okay. You have to really try to not know that. I mean, you're a well-read person. Yeah, but I... You've watched a lot of movies. Let's just not get into it. Probably better for the best. Anyway. not running for president. Is, is it a Tom Hanks movie? <laughs> so... It's that kind of Tom Hanks anger, though. Tom yeah. Hanks, Steve Martin-esque, I think. Yes, anyway, oh, oh, oh. Is, it, is it Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? No, because I don't really... No, I don't think so. Anyway, come, move on. We mentioned this uh, book every time it's come out. I think the first issue really blew our socks off. I think it's been really good with each issue. The thing about The Goddamn is it, it's, it doesn't make you feel good. Like, I finished reading it, and I was like, that was a really, really good comic that I feel really sad about everything happening in it. Which is a good, you know, it's a sign of good art that it evokes a genuine emotion, but at the same time, like, I, I'm not, like, excited to read it because I don't want to feel all bummed out. You know, it's great. This is the story of an adult cane who is walking to Earth like the Kung Fu cane and is sort of in that incredible Hulk TV show vein in which he stumbles upon people who need help, doesn't really want to help them, but he does, and how awful the world is. And I love the opening scene with Adam and Eve and their sons talking about paradise and all the things that they were going to inherit the earth and it's beautiful. There's a great two-page spread of the world and it's in its lush green and, and bright-colored glory and we turn the page to the a very similar shot of the world as it is now, which is just dark and hard scrabble. There's no vegetation and and a lot of carcasses and it's uh, the world is awful. But also in that first, there's like a bit of underlying, you know, like Adam's kind of a dick. Well, yeah, they hate Adam and he hate each other. Right, and and so right away you're like, oh, all this lush beauty, but like is rotten underneath. Well, that, isn't that the that whole point out. that humans yeah. destroyed the earth, the original sin, and all that? Yeah. Well, it's a good thing we're not living anyway. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, you could you could also just scrape away the biblical aspect of it, and it would it would be just as interesting. You know, it adds to the fact that Noah's hard traveling caravan of animals and horrible people is on the move, and they've kidnapped a young boy, and the mother of the boy is enlisted Cain to help find him. Cain doesn't really want to, but he has a little bit of good in him, even though he's the original murderer. It seems like mostly he wants to get some revenge on Noah's group. But anyway, the point is, it's a very well-done comic. I mean, this this was the best-looking book I read this week, by far. It, it, this, was, this was actually, I finished reading it, and uh, probably I don't know if it's I don't know if this is why they named it as such, but as I finished it, I put it down. I went, "God damn!" Like, <laughs> and I, I honestly think that this was the this was the best issue of this series so far. Yes. I agree. And and I don't know if it's because I feel like the flashback to Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden like added a a brightness and a lightness that counterbalanced the darkness of the world that the book is currently in. That I I like that balance. And, you know, there was, there was at least a couple of pages that I saw Gera signed, which I always love to see. Yeah. And he, yeah. you see he signs it, Jason Aaron and R.M. Gera. I yes. love that. That's beautiful. This was just like, I, I felt, uh, whereas, like, I felt like the last couple of issues were 
I was kind of going with it. I didn't quite know what was going on. This is the one where I feel like it really coalesced, and I was like, oh, okay, this is this is awesome. Uh, yeah, I really I really like this. It got it got a goddamn for me. A lot of times when I'm reading comics, I'll think, oh, I, I would I would like to tweet about that or post about a thing because it was exciting, and I try not to because I want to save it for the show. But if I was when I finished this issue, I just was like, I just like I just wanted to tweet Gara. <laughs> yeah, like look look at that guy go. Yeah. It's really great to see them back together, working together, because they, you know, they have that special chemistry. That team they do, but also it's it's like when I look back at Scalped, which was the series that they had done together, it was you know like a long thing. Like they, I really like the idea that they didn't get out of that and be like, oh, thank God they were done with that. We don't have to work. And like they were like, we need to find another way to work together. And I love that. I love that that chemistry exists, and that's what makes more stuff come up. I find that one of the most exciting things about comics. Yeah. This is not a comic for the faint of heart. I'm flipping through it trying to find a page where someone isn't either dead or missing half a face or... Or, or naked. Or naked. It's just like, this is a horrible world. It's a very interesting and good story being told in this horrible, horrible world. And it's a tough, you know, it's just people constantly being brutalized page after page. And, uh, I mean, there's a point to it all, but it's, it still doesn't mean it's not a tough read. The thing is, when I think back about it, this sort of time, this sort of pre-civilization like that's yeah you know the 70s um (laughs) but i I, like when i read history and i think about you know not even pre-medieval times pre-dark ages this sort of yeah i don't know this is like almost pre-history part like i think of the world that must have been a lot like this it was like animals it was you know like you banded together you had your small group of people and you were against everybody else all the time and the fact of the matter is this is what the world is like now. There's just a thin veneer of society over it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like to think that maybe it wasn't all, like, my, my hope in the background is that it wasn't really all that bad. Like, people were, there was that spark of humanity, and, but I, I don't know. I doubt that that's the case, and this doesn't, uh, this doesn't assuage me of that, I guess. Thin, thin veneer, Connor? Oh, totally. Thin. If, <laughs> if society were to break yeah. down tomorrow, we, it, it would quickly revert to something similar to this. And there's, you know... There are valid political lines of thinking that think that, you know, that's basically what we should do. Every man for themselves, you know, like yeah. going to his extremes as much as possible. But I like society. I'm a big fan of it because I'm weak. <laughs> I'm smart, but I feel like in that world, maybe smart isn't going to be enough. So I do got to say, I, I give credit to the one armed kid uh, who, 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 despite only having one arm, is able to show dominance in a uh, society like this. So uh, good job. Yeah. I'm one armed kid. Yeah. <laughs> Shit boy. Sh- shit boy, you're just you're just shit a bitch. shit boy, shit bitch, shit bitch. <laughs> you have to really talk about Garrett here because there's always been a tactile quality to his art that worked really well in Scouts because it, that was also a very dirty w- world, morality wise, but also literally. This is the same. Everyone here is just dirty and grimy and gross. And I'm looking at the last page specifically when Kane has instituted his confrontation with Noah's people, and look at those guys coming at him. Every face is disgusting. There's a lot of tactile emotion you get from looking at this at this. Book. I, I describe his artwork in my head as bone crunchy. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, it's, yeah, I was going to say, it's almost visceral in a way where it's like, yeah, I mean, yes, it's flat art on a piece of paper and it's two-dimensional, but I feel like if I could run my fingers over it, I'd feel mm-hmm. it coming off the page, like the bumps and like the, the edges and the ridges and everything. Like it feels, it feels rough. Right. You know, even though I can't feel it. <laughs> so, like, so, it's a great book. If you can handle that kind of really intense violence and dark morality, and you can, and you're interested in that, in the time period and the biblical stories from that era. It, listen, if you're, you're not into, if super you're, into the Bible, is a literal thing too. Yeah, yeah. 
if you're into dark morality, this is the book for you. Right. Yeah. I feel like we've used that quote. <laughs> <laughs> no, the other one was like vague morality or <laughs> ambiguous, whatever. That's the good wife. Vague morality. <laughs> the book I was really hoping would be the pick of the week was Superman, The Coming of the Superman, number one of six. Which could be a porn parody title. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say, though, also at the same time, so you've got The Coming of the Superman, and you also have The Master Race both coming out from DC. And who's behind this? Neil Adams. <laughs> <laughs> Our good friend Neil Adams. <laughs> Last time I saw him, I think, other than the, the really uncomfortable variant covers he's been doing, was the Batman Odyssey book, wasn't it, Ron? That was a couple of years ago, though, wasn't right. it? Isn't that yeah. the last major project he's done? I think so, yeah. You know, the man is a living legend. People often talk about his ego, and he's earned every bit of that inflated ego. He is one of the most important people ever to draw. Just short of the Earth theories. Right. Well, it's a, it's ever, his ego is ever-expanding, much like the Earth. He's one of the most important people to ever draw a comic book. Absolutely. For a very variety of reasons. Agreed. He still can draw. It's not, obviously, the Neil Adams from the 1970s, but he's still got it. Why do you think that is? Because he's good. He's in good shape. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's not like he can't draw the same way because he's old and infirm. He really doesn't appear to be that old. He seems quite peppy, quite with it. You know, like he seems to be in good shape. Like, do you think it? I, I wonder if it has to do with like a patience thing or like a hunger thing. I think styles also naturally evolve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And your your priorities of of sort of what's important about that. Right. And 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 also, I, I gotta imagine that there's an evolution of you know, just through getting older and muscle control and how you hold the pen and, and all, you know, weight, weight on a line and all that Plus sort of stuff. Plus being able I mean, to hunch over a drawing board for hours. At yeah, time. exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, then we just can't get the same pen that used to be, he used to, well, I just can't yeah. get it anymore. That pen I used. There's some sort of, some sort of the Baker nib from 1976 that he, <laughs> was, that he bought 500 of and now he's out of them. Yeah, it's like it was black wing pencils. Yeah. It was made <laughs> like slave labor and endangered the species uh, parts so he can't get it anymore. So this was uh, the story concept from Neil Adams, the, the actual, I think, scripting was by Tony Bedard, and the art uh, was from Neil Adams, colors by Alex Sinclair. Ron, I assume you read this. I did not, actually. I missed this one. Wow. So I'm actually, I'm actually going back to get it as you talk about it. So You're usually down for a good Neil Adams adventure. Yeah, because I've been enjoying, honestly, I've been enjoying the Neil Adams covers, you know, that they've been, you know, kind of celebrating Neil Adams. I thought that was just it. I did not know there was a book involved, and so uh, now I'm getting all over it. He also thought it was a porn parody. I did. I did. It's like, I don't want to read that. Because the thing, the thing was is that, you know, here's the problem is that as I'm browsing the stuff, I saw the cover by Neil Adams, but I didn't think it was a book by Neil Adams because I thought they were doing these covers. You know what Good I mean? Point. Yep. Thank you. Marketing gone wrong. Marketing gone wrong. The problem with this book for me and the reason why it wasn't the pick of the week because it wasn't crazy enough. Really? It was, it was a little too A little tame. restrained. A little yeah. restrained. Batman Odyssey was just a was just an Odyssey. I don't know what it was. Well, let me ask you, what, what is the chest hair quotient of this book? Look, all of the men are manly in a, in a Neil Adams book. <laughs> That's what I like. All, Neil Adams has a, has a 70s Burt Reynolds kind of approach to men. which Swarthiness? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, actually, Superman has some very thick yeah. eyebrows in this. Wow. <laughs> so the story of this book is that is there's two things happening. One is just as Calabac is leading a invasion from Apocalypse with a bunch of parademons at the behest of Darkseid, a ship arrives at Metropolis featuring three men dressed in Superman costumes, and they have his powers. They set about repelling the invasion, even though they're not very good with their powers because they seem to have never used them before. Well, this is happening. Superman himself is in the Middle East protecting a family from some bombs, and there's a, he finds a kid with a dog, and the kid has no family. He's orphaned from the war. 
And so this weirdo demon appears and tells him he must take the kid back to Metropolis. So he he's now sort of adopted this kid and his dog. So he's bringing Middle Eastern refugees into the U.S. Yes. Jeez. <laughs> one by one. That's really the story so far. We don't know who this mysterious demon is, although he does at the very end take Superman back in time to ancient Egypt 10,000 years ago to find that Darkseid was the one responsible for building the pyramids. That's all we know so far. That Calabac page is uh, is excellent. Yeah, there's some really good stuff in here. Yeah, so I'm looking at this now. There's the Angry Lex page. Yeah. It's just like, because like what you've got, you've got this full page of a screaming Lex, you know, saying, where is Superman? And then you've got two inset panels of Superman with the kid on top of the full page. Like, you see Lex's hand at the bottom of the page. Like, this is, I mean, the one thing about that, that got me about Neil Adams, like the, the moment I quote unquote oh. got Neil Adams was in like, I was in college and I picked up a trade paperback of his X-Men work and it was those layouts. Yeah, sure. And and aside from this, I mean, this Lex Luthor page is a great example. The Calabac page is another great example, too. But, like, the man can just put together a page like nobody else. Yeah. yeah so. For impact in that way. <laughs> exactly. So he got, he got the thing about hands that Kirby did. Yeah. Yes, yeah. That's great. This was fun if you like, if you like that kind of thing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I, I like looking at it a lot. Yeah. yeah. You're not yeah. going to enjoy the story, Josh. Yeah. I also like that he drew Superman in the regular in the in the costume. The, the yeah. not the like they were like, you want to do the new costume? And she's not. No, I'm not gonna do that. Fuck that. <laughs> and Lois is the news reporter who's I guess narrating the events as they unfold live on TV, which was kind of annoying. But you know, it's a Neil Adams book. It's not as crazy as you let you may have expected from past modern works, but uh, I enjoyed it. Cool. So we'll see where it goes. And I wanted to talk about Saga 34, because I feel like we haven't talked about Saga in a while. You got it, friendo. I thought this, this issue was, was very good. The issue before, that was mostly about the reporters, who I don't really like as characters, uh, was fine. But this issue you know, opened up the world again, so we have everybody back under focus. And I really like the Prince Robots now, sort of Robin Hood. There's just a lot of fun things happening in this world right now. There are. I actually got a little behind, so I read like three in a row. And... It did that thing where, like, the first issue was a, the like two issues ago was about about the parents, and then the next one was about uh, the reporters and the will, and then this one was back to the kid. And I was like, I'm interested in almost all of these things, you yes. know, equally. So when they switch, you're like, oh, this is also compelling. Like, it's almost a fault of the book that there's so much good stuff there that they just can't get to fast enough. We're and gonna. For- this is a subject gonna come up in the email section, yeah. but for now. You know, he's telling a sprawling space epic. It's a saga. It's a, it's a literal saga, and it's kind of like Game of Thrones in that you follow one character you like, and then you're like, oh, all right, this character, and then you go, but I missed the other one. And then mm-hmm. there's so much good stuff that you just want to follow it all at the same time. But everyone's pretty much in this. I like that the will got super fat. <laughs> <laughs> for, I agree. For reasons I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember him not being dead. I feel like I missed a thing, but then that had something to do with him being fat, and I'm not sure. I don't know. But that's on me. He's still good at his job. He snapped that creature's neck pretty easily. You know, the, what's happening with the kid on the prison ship is interesting. Super interesting. I like that the parents are back together, even though there's a little bit of tension between them because of their, their problems in their relationship. The, the teacher's interesting. It's all interesting. It's all good. I really like And then just the Fiona Staples stuff is gorgeous. Yeah, it's a, I mean, like, it hasn't, it hasn't lost a step. I haven't gotten an issue with, like, oh, it's kind of boring now. And it, it never, 
I, I don't know how far he's able to plan ahead, but it, it never feels aimless. It always feels like it was all in place, and we're just riding along the rails and watching the sights. It's hands down one of the. I mean, I, I mean, Saga describes the story as well as I feel as if like the representation of what it is within the comics industry. In that, it's just one of the most. You know, like the, the it's that magic when Vaughn and Staples got together and made this thing that it just said. I think every issue to the point now where what we're you know thirty some odd issues in where we shouldn't be that surprised. But every time I was like, God damn, how can this be so good? It's still um, surprising for the fact that like he did Why the Last Man, which I think that counts as his sort of biggest and best, right? Right, yeah, totally. Yeah. And like sort of left comics on a high to go do other things. And then he yep. says, I'm, I'm going to come back. And it is so rare that somebody comes back in such strong form. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go as far. I'll better. go as far as say that I think. Yeah, I think it's better than why. I think it's absolutely better than why. Hmm. So just because, just because the thing is, is that I think that why was such a great, compelling story, and Pia Guerra's art was great. But I feel as if Fiona Staples' art is, I don't want to say better than Pia's, but it's more dynamic in a way. It's more engaging to me. It's more, you know, it like needs it to be on this. Yeah, yeah, it needs to be. I mean, it's more fan- and maybe because it's so fantasy based and all that sort of stuff. But um, I, I give Saga a little bit of an edge over why because of that because I feel like the art is do is carrying more of the the load than than uh, than Pia did on Share the load. Um, <laughs> I will say, I will say that recently, while you know, longtime listeners uh, might remember the speculation as to whether or not I own a comic shop. I don't own a comic shop, but uh, I was working in my friend's shop. I was covering one day. When, uh, so you do own a shop. I don't own a shop, but I was, I was well, helping, I was helping out, and a uh, a major league baseball player came in, thirsty for the next volume of Saga, saying that uh, he loved how it, it challenged his imagination, well, and he lo- and he loves to use his imagination. I said, oh, okay. So when you're standing in the outfield, you can think about Saga. And he's like, yep. <laughs> that was a fun little moment. So I'm looking at the cover right now, and I notice that Fiona Staples' name comes before Brian Vaughn's. Has that always been the case? I think so, or it was at some point. At one point, Brian made a point of doing that. Cool. And now I'm really looking forward to the prison break with the, the parents and Robin Hood, Prince the Fourth. And I know very well that it's not It's not going to, like, he never gives you what you think you're going to get or no, want. it's not going to ever the way you think oh. it will. Yeah, it's great. It's frustrating, frustrating and also great. Yeah. All right. So talk about frustrating and also great. <laughs> <laughs> I was I, I I it jumped out on me on the shelves at the store. Uh, X Men Worst X Men Ever Number One, written by Max Bemis, who is of music some person. Yeah, music. He's the singer of Say Anything and a an emo band from the two thousands. Art by Michael Walsh, who I'm a big fan of, but a great He's cover. Great. A, a great great cover by Michael Walsh, which looked a very um, Akuna esque. This is a five-issue miniseries that has nothing to do with what's going on in Marvel right now. In fact, fairly certain it's all X-Men as of maybe three or four years ago Hmm. in terms of characters, in terms of costumes, in terms of where they are. The the mansion is still there. Wolverine's alive. He's not old. Cyclops is still around. Jubilee's not a vampire. And it tells the story about a kid who uh, doesn't quite fit in at school, finds out he's a mutant. Uh, his mutant power is that he can explode like a like a bomb or like a big firework, but he can only do it once because he will literally explode and die. Hmm. <laughs> and his parents take him to the mansion. So he's got to pick his moment. He's, yeah, basically he's got to pick his moment. Ba- That's basically, what worse happens. than Black Bolt's power. Yeah, it really is. But so it's kind of like where they're, you know, like it's super disappointing and, you know, Beast invites him to stay at the school, but he's like, he's depressed. He's like, no, I'll pass. So as him and his parents are leaving the school, a sentinel comes and steps on his parents. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then all the all the X-Men come out. There's a fastball special and they fight the Sentinel. And so now he's parentless. So he decides to stay at the mansion. And Jubilee kind of takes him under her wing to walk him around uh, the school. It kind of goes from there. So it's this whole story of this really lame powered teenager. It was a lot of fun. It reminded me what I love about the X-Men and why. And we'll talk about all new X-Men uh, in a little bit. But why no other book except for that one is really tying into the the vibe of the X-Men or the emotion that the X-Men should give. The family aspect? Yeah, the family aspect, the teenager, the not fitting in, the, the learning aspect. powers, the school, yeah, all that sort of stuff. So this is great. I mean, if you do, I mean, it's no continuity, doesn't matter, it's just a fun X-Men story. And, you know, yes, it's one of those celebrity... Vanity projects? Vanity projects. We don't who quite know who he is. I don't know if that counts. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, he's a musician. I've yeah. never heard of that band. They were like, yeah, if you were... Eight years younger, you would have. Okay. You're just old. <laughs> That's fine. I'm just, it's not like that gets him. Yeah. It's not like he's like, I bring a huge audience. There's, you know, there's 100,000 people somewhere who, who know who he is kind yeah. of. Yeah. That's a huge audience of comics. Who aren't going to necessarily buy comics. Right, yeah. I mean, I don't think he's of the Gerard Way level, but I, right. I but uh, but I almost feel like that works in his advantage because it doesn't, you know, because there's, you know, someone like you won't pick it up and roll his eyes, but like, oh, Vanity Project, it's just another writer, and he and he's got he nailed it, he nailed right. it. Right, he worked, he worked, he did stuff for Boom. Yeah, he did stuff for Boom. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I mean, like that's a good sign that like they liked what he did there. You know, yeah. Daredevil number four. Is this the f- this is the first time I've noticed that Goran Suzuka? Yep. Is on this book. Has he been on this before? No, this is the first issue. He did is the he little. Fl- it? No, he just did. The, there's a flashback segment oh. that he did. If you notice, the art changed changes slightly during. Interesting. Yeah, but, which is weird because I th- I would have thought they would have highlighted what pages he did. Right. But yeah. Anyway, go so on. Ron, I know that you're not a fan of Garney's different style here, but I've actually with each issue really grown to like it more and more. Yeah, I've come around. I like I'm this too. a lot, and I, I also kind of like the way that. Old man Steve Rogers was drawn in sort of a Sin City esque Frank Miller style. There's a lot. Of, I was I've been noticing I was noticing a lot more like Sin City, yeah, yeah, in this. And I, I, yeah, the whole time I was like, I, you know what? I really like this art, and I think it was different enough than what you expect that it took a little while to figure out if it worked. Yep. But uh, it does. I thought this is probably the best issue out of the whole thing so far. It, it was one of the most clever uses of the fact that Daredevil's blind. Yeah. Totally. Like that was and, that was great. That was so. Like what happens is is that there's a there's a bomb making factory in a building in Brooklyn, and Steve keeps an eye on Red Hook because that's his old neighborhood, and asks Daredevil to help deal with it. And so he Daredevil busts busts in, and he finds that the bomb making people have set a bomb to go off, and he walks in, and there's a LED timer. You can't read it. Daredevil can't read it. Or identify the color of the wires. Exactly. Steve's like, don't worry, I can talk you through diffusing it. Look for two wires, green and yellow. And it's just like, yep, I don't know what colors those are. And it's, <laughs> also, it's also hitting home the fact that like this new one, no one knows him anymore. So yeah. it really is It really is a, a, a do-over. Which, you know, after Bendis, Brubaker, and Wade, like, they just had to. <laughs> like, yeah. They just had to put back the clock and, and call it a day. Well, how did they uh, do that? Because there's, there's a reference because... It's a it, mystical spell. It says, like, I made them forget. Yeah. yeah. I don't really care. Yeah. And then he, like, he, like when uh, Steve Rogers is saying, you know, I don't know your identity. I don't even know your name. And he's like, you used to. Like, it's just like there's this like, weird... There's this... Right? <laughs> I feel like that's the way that they have to acknowledge past continuity. Like, they can't not do it a little bit. Yeah. You know, so if somebody reads it, they won't know what the hell... So at least if they give you that, you know, somebody goes, okay, well, something happened. Love you. Why is Captain America old? Because it's not cool, man. I not know. Cool. 
It's because Chris Evans isn't going to keep doing movies. Steve's not cool. No, he's coming back, though. He's coming back in a... In a... I know, but they're, like, like going forward. I, I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of, because he's old. But for, but now he was old before, but he was, like, feeble, and now he's not feeble. It really depends on which artist is drawing him. Ugh. Yeah. Just give me my cap back. <laughs> I don't ask for a lot. <laughs> this is not the fault of the issue. I just... Why is he old? He's coming back with a different shield because they're still going to have the other cap. Two caps. <laughs> you know who was awesome? Falcon. Falcon was awesome. Falcon was awesome as Falcon. Yep. Was. Nothing yeah, wrong not, with that. Not a, we'll, we'll talk about it in the Avengers, but yeah. <laughs> Quick break to tell you about ifanboy.com slash support where you can help the show out. You can, first, you can shop via Amazon there by the Amazon link. And if for some reason your browser has blocked that image, you can just still click through the highlighted text there. Uh, to make all your Amazon purchases, and we appreciate everyone who does that. And we also appreciate the people who are become iFanboy members. For 3 bucks a month or 30 bucks a year, you can help us directly out to support the show. And also, if you're just some crazy internet billionaire looking for tax purposes to get rid of some cash, you could, there's a donation button, and you can donate any amount you like. And we accept 2016 all is still open for that for you. Right. You know, 2015, that, that is closed, unfortunately, but get on plan, it, man. Plan for it while you can. Yeah, exactly. Don't miss a this. Big tax burden, and you need to offset some of that. We will happily accept your millions of dollars. We will write you a receipt. Yes. <laughs> It'll all we be will. above board and legal. I'm pretty sure that if I go into my numbers program here on this Mac, I can make an invoice. <laughs> so, oh, okay. I doubt you can so, with numbers, actually, to be honest. Numbers is great. Oh, oh. I don't know how to use Excel. <laughs> it's got way too much. I like dumbed down numbers, it's awesome. Ugh. Also, while we're at it, pages. Weren't you saying earlier how smart you are? <laughs> it's about where I... Did I? Yes. So oh, he's crumpling... Uh, it might be the Honeymooners. I think it's no, the Honeymooners. No, it's, it's like... It's like... But the kid, it's like... Yes, yeah, no, That's but the I, there's a thing That's the rhythm in planes, trains, and automobiles. It might be the, the towel, though. Uh, that, no, it's, it's... You know it. There's also a scene in My Blue Heaven where he's crumpling the suit up. Oh, that's what it is. That is it. That's what it is. <laughs> yes, it's where he takes the pants and he just goes. Uh, no, the jacket because the jacket's hung up. He's laying in the pants. Yes, yes, in front of in front of Rick Moranis and he goes. Uh, 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 Rick Moranis and he, yeah, he's like, I'm doing what's up. Doing your jacket. What you doing, Moranis? Doing your jacket. you doing your pants. It's 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 Bible heaven. That's what it is. How how, how good do you guys feel right now? Wow. Whew. A giant. See, I wasn't I wasn't that far off. See, I knew it was Steve Martin. I, I, it felt like Steve Martin. It's a very Steve Martin joke. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's been solved. <laughs> Thank God. Let's run through some books real quick. All new X Men number five. What I liked about this a lot was that if you watched your girlfriend reconstitute her previously really broken body, that would probably be more dramatic than watching your wife give birth. Yeah, and so that's a good reason to break up. Yep, fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I'm enjoying this. It's it's great. I thought. I mean, the, the the scenes with Iceman and Kid Apocalypse, I thought were really good. Again, like X Men should make you feel things, and and this issue made me feel things, and that's good. Are either you guys reading Black Magic anymore? Yes, but I'm thinking about going to trades on it because I'm completely lost. Yeah, I got behind on it, so I read a few in a row. So I don't I don't feel like that. I guess I kind of did read it in a trade. I think I like this. At least in terms of, like, I don't love it. This isn't like Stumptown where I was like, oh, I'm in totally. Mm -hmm. But I do want to know what happens because I can't, I don't have my finger on it yet. And it feels like, feels like a Vertigo book. Because hmm. it's, you know, witches and magic and stuff like that. And it, what, what Nicola Scott's doing is really interesting in it. And there was sort of a 
not a twist, but I guess it's sort of a reveal at the end that we're starting to see like who the adversaries are, and I don't quite understand it. It's it's like uh, it's it's different ground for Greg Rucka, so I find that interesting. Hmm. Like where he's at with Lazarus is like okay, you know, you're in this, you get it completely. This is a whole other thing. And where is that one with the rats or whatever it was for Dark Horse? Yeah, that did not work. This is working better, so I'm I'm, right. I'm riding it out. Yeah, I like it. I think the art's wonderful. It sort of seems like it's uninked or something, but I think I just need to read it in chunks. There's a lot to keep track of, and mm-hmm. I read too much stuff to keep track of everything in my head. Fair enough. My feeble brain can only handle so much information. I know. I think I used to be smart. I'm not anymore. So I uh, picked up when I went to the comic book shop uh, this week. I went to Isotope Comics in San Francisco. and the Your shop. My shop displayed prominently was a very interesting artifact, a oversized print copy of Nexus, the comic strip, that apparently Steve Rude is producing himself through his Rude Dude Productions. And remember Wednesday Comics? Remember how it was in that yep. format? Yep. Okay, that, that, was, that was 11, 11 by 17, right? Mm-hmm. This is 17 by 23. Jesus. It's glorious. <laughs> it honestly, it is like it is like a comic book version of one of those artist editions, but like in full color. Like, and to see Steve Rude's art up close is just amazing. So what he's doing is he's producing these comic strip versions, these like kind of Sunday comics versions monthly, and he's retelling the origin of Nexus. Which, if you haven't read Nexus, is a great character, and it's and if you've never read it before, it's a great opportunity. Mike Barron is writing it, despite even though. Do you remember the weird? Yes. Yes, the weird interviews on Around Comics with Steve Rude, and it sounded like they had a falling out, but yeah, I guess they're back together. It wasn't um, weird. It was, yeah. it was weird, but it was way more than that. Yeah, it was weird. But yeah, this is super, super cool. It, it is not, I don't believe it's being sold through Diamond, but if you go to RudeDudeProductions.com, which is uh, Steve Rude's website, there's all the information about how you can order this. And it sounds actually, like it's made to order. Yeah, it's made to order, and what's interesting is that he's sending you a subscription box, and if you if you order this, you'll get a print, you'll get a uh, postcard, a sticker, as well as in February and March, each box gets a free box of Girl Scout cookies. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Got down this URL here. Hang on. <laughs> I just like Siri, Steve- please remember. I never have cash whenever I see the Girl Scouts. Here's the thing about Steve Rude. He wears T-shirts without sleeves, and he's kind of crazy, and that's kind of awesome. So uh, this is great. It's great to see him. This is his his baby, his character, his creator own character, and it's wonderful. So it's a it's a different take on comics, and so uh, you know I would say uh, support it. And you love the newsprint. Yep. Yep. Very awesome. So there you go. Nexus comic strip issue number one. Go to RudeDudeProductions.com. Check it out. That's why when you search movie crumpling paper, you didn't get anything because it was a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Which unfortunately is not on the scene is not on YouTube as I'm looking for it. Anyway, two number fifty five. We are we are heading in to the end. Bit of a red herring, I guess. In the end of the last one, they led us very much to believe, just incredibly heavy handedly, that Amelia Mintz was was dead and had been killed. I believe they called it the death of Amelia Mintz. And then you switch the page, and it's just like it's not going to happen in this issue. So she's fine, which I think is kind of shitty. And kind of funny all at the same time. But sort of the, the final master stroke of the Mason Savoy, Tony Chu thing happens in this issue. And it's kind of a big deal. And it's this book really is ramping up. It's moving quickly. Like, you'll notice in the background, like, there's still a lot of Rob Bullery's jokes back there. But there's less because he's got work to do. Like, they're in the work portion of this. They can't play around anymore because they're trying to finish the whole thing up. Five more issues, right? Yeah, something like that. I think it's five. I don't know. I'm not. I don't want to say I took this book for granted, but I'm not terribly thrilled about about a world with no chew issues. They've been with us all along. 
Yeah, you got you got a good like five or six months before you have to deal with that. All right, fair so, enough. So that, I'm probably do- you know they're probably worrying about it more than me. I'm guessing uh, Layman's done. Yeah. <laughs> Real quickly, all new, all different Avengers number six. This wrapped up the, or I don't know if it's wrapped up or whatever, but, you know, kind of explained what's been going on. And apparently, uh, you know, last issue, I think I talked about this great art by Mahmoud Asrar, but, you know, the weird behavior by the vision that led to the expulsion of Ms. Marvel and Nova and Spider-Man from the team acting very, very weird. Turns out the vision was being controlled by Kang. Well, awesome. In a, no, take it back. In a rare case. Not good Kang. That's not possible. Not Kang in the blue mask. Kang just in a suit. Oh. Yep. It's like like a different, like, basically they're like, oh, it's Kang. And he's like, I am Kang, but I'm not. Like, it's a weird, different timeline Kang. You know, there's been a glitch in the time screen and something divided divided us and spun me off. No. So, yep. No. Mark Wade. It's not messing with Kang. Certain things you don't. Yeah, I know. I I agree. And also, and also, is. and also, at one point, the not Kang has a big force field around him, and Spider-Man goes, "There's a he's built some sort of time energy shield. We can't get through." And Iron Man says, "That's X-Men talk. We're the Avengers. Let's prove it." And then shoots the thing. Yeah, the X-Men are always downers. Which makes me want to say, Mark Wade, sir, I do not support that. <laughs> then randomly later in the book, there's a shot of Captain America, Sam Wilson. Standing next to Iron Man, and then Red Bird just lands on his arm for no reason. Huh. <laughs> Wasn't in the story at any point, just the bird lands on his arm. <laughs> well, that's, that's his guy. Yeah. That's like it's if weird. Timber runs up to Snake Eyes. Eh, no harm, no foul. Well, Timber just wants to dance. God, he loves to dance. <laughs> See? That the, is one dancing wolf. The thing is, one dancing wolf. it's not Mark Wade's fault that Tony Stark doesn't like the X-Men. That's him writing a good character work. Yeah. Tony Stark has always been antagonistic towards the X-Men. You are blaming the author. I gotta, wow. I gotta, I gotta go with Connor here. Although you can blame him for this Kang, this Kang, Kang bullshit. No, the Kang, the Kang, this Kang bullshit is bullshit. That's what it is. Yeah. There's no defense of it. I mean, like you get away with that in Young Avengers because it was a reveal. He's Young yeah. Kang. You know that's why he's different. But when he's Kang, he's got to be fucking Kang. Yeah, that they, they was divided in the time stream for some. Yeah, just it's just bullshit. Anyway, all right. So moving on. I don't. I, I need to stop talking about it. I'm sorry. I can't. I don't know if I can go on. So Karnak number two. It's this weird little series from Marvel that uh, Warren Ellis doing with Gerardo Zafino. Is that Jorge Zafino's relative in some way? Oh, and Antonio Fuso. Look, we've added an extra artist. Antonio Fuso of G.I. Joe Cobra thing. Yeah, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. I, couldn't, yeah. I couldn't place the name, but that is it. Yep. It's this solo journey, Karnak, of the Inhumans. <laughs> from Milan to Minsk. <laughs> <laughs> You've been a long way from Adelaide to... <laughs> Karnak! <laughs> How about that one? Oh. Do you think our old references are... I, I, that was around the bend, right? I can't remember storylines of comics, but Seinfeld is forever in there. <laughs> forever yep. ingrained. Yep. Now, has it always been a thing that Karnak was not uh, exposed to the Terrigen Mists? Was that a thing? I don't think I've ever heard that. I don't, I don't You're know. asking a group of people who are not Inhumans experts. Yep. I know in that, fact, but like... In fact, even further, I will say I do not like the Inhumans. Ron is, in fact, Inhuman hostile. Yep. Do you not like the Inhumans now because of where they stand, or yes. do you never like the Inhumans? No, I like the Inhumans previously. So. Okay, so <laughs> he's, he's okay. blaming the characters again for the, the, yep. the okay, legal so problem. Before that, I do know you read a lot of comics. You have, you've heard of these Inhumans, right? I have, I have, yes, I'm familiar. Karnak's well, power, because he has a power, is that he can see the flaw in anything. Yep. 
But in this, they're trying and, to and give it a karate chop. Exactly. So, and which basically the whole issue is him beating people up, which is fine with the karate chop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love the karate chop. But the point being, the background of this seems to be that his parents were like, "No, we're not going to put him in the Terrigen Mist because he turned his brother into a fish." Jeez. More or less, and so they kept him out of it because I think the uh, what do they got to get fish? They got good omega threes. I can't remember the. (laughs) They're food for one thing. (laughs) Who's the? I can't remember now. The the other Inhuman, who's the fish guy, not Triton. I guess that's Karnak's brother. I don't know. Anyway, it's weird, but it's a really it's a really fun book to read. Is my point. It's it's really good looking. I think the last one came out months ago, but uh, it's it's like four or five months ago. Whatever. I don't remember. Like a book like Karnak does not need to be coming out until it's ready because it's not like it's attached to everything else going on in the Marvel. It doesn't seem to attach to anything going on. So why not wait until yeah three or four in the can? Right. I don't know. Warren Ellis is really good. As much I almost don't want him to. Good, but he is. So he does a thing that works, and I was happy to get some of it. All right, those are the books we're going to talk about this week. Fanboy.com. You can find the post for the show, and you can talk about these books or other books. Maybe you had a fantastic week of reading comics, and you want to tell us about it because I could use it. <laughs> Listen, I, I really, I, I really could use it. I could use it. <laughs> could use it. I'm in, a, I'm in a bad spot. So. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so as we said earlier, we were going. We wanted to take some of your uh, emails and read them on the show because last week we skipped them because we were talking about the DC nonsense. And so our first email comes from Eric from Brooklyn, New York, Connor's old stomping grounds. Forgive me, as I've only been thinking about this question for a mere six months. All right. This uh, time. All right. Yeah, we'll let it pass. Almost all my favorite books are image books, but lately I've been starting to wonder what a lot of them are anymore. Many. Deadly Class, Wicked and Divine, Saga, Black Science, Sex Criminals, are beginning to feel like a series of events rather than a story. Maybe it's the decompressed nature of modern comics, but shouldn't we be further in the birthright story, or at least have a sense of where we are in it? I'm beginning to think that most of the image line would be better served creatively by being limited series rather than ongoings. Is this something you guys have experienced? Are my expectations for knowing what the shape of the long-term story not useful for the medium of comics? Is the illusion of change a bad ethos for original stories? It could be me, but it feels like there isn't enough arc to the arc of a lot of these books. I might have to read yes. the fifth. I disagree with him. Really? Okay. Yeah. These are long tales we discussed with Saga. It's a saga. It's yeah. A, it's a sprawling adventure, and most of these are sprawling tales. I, I Yes, you. I agree with you, Connor, but also I think that he has valid points as well. I, I do too. I don't know that I agree with specifically what he's getting at, but I think the part of it is that some of these do not necessarily, some of them have an end point in mind and they're on a road. I think Saga is one of those. I don't think Saga is one of those. You don't think? Hasn't he said there's no end point to it? There's no well, end I know, but he knows the ar- overarching sort of thing that's happening, doesn't he? Yeah. No, I don't think so. No. Mm-hmm. He said it's just a, it's just, he's just telling a story. Well, it doesn't feel like that. At least it feels like they're driving towards something. And I think sometimes, like, you're just playing it out. I think it feels just... like that because it's being narrated from the future. Maybe. But yeah. uh, he's... Maybe that, then that's fine if that, if that works. I do think that on some series, like, you'll be reading, like, there are books that come out, not, you know, honestly, not really the ones he's naming. The ones he's naming are pretty good. Maybe Sex Criminals to a certain extent, because at this point, like, it's kind of interesting, but I don't know where it's, like, they saved the library, so I don't know where they're going. Other than just to explore those ideas, which is fine. Black Science definitely feels like it's driving somewhere, but there are other books from Image. Mostly I'm Image because those are going to be the, the ones that sort of are either going to tell a complete story or not, or where they come out and they're, they're a super interesting premise, and you read them for, say, a year. And whatever it was that kind of excited you about it for a bit, you're not, you haven't really gotten to it yet. And you're like, well, how long am I going to read this before? We've mentioned before that not, not every story is a 60-issue story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. I think that's the I agree with what you're saying here, Josh, and the specific books he's mentioned, the ones I'm reading, 
I wouldn't fit into this category. I don't find deadly class to be meandering. It's a very rigid structure, deadly class. They're in a school. They're going through yeah. the years of the school. Yeah. Black science, I feel like it's pretty tight. And saga is a saga. It's designed that way. Yeah, I mean, I guess my, my only feedback on this, and I, and I agree, but I, I do think that the difference on image books is that a lot of them don't have editorial involvement right and i think sometimes that some of them could use that you know and, and again i don't think i don't think saga or black you know black rick rick is smart enough to hire an editor and works with sebastian gurner on all of his books and they they work out the arcs and the story pr- very very tight you know because that, that's how rick works and uh, you know i've talked to him a lot about that and it's definitely you know that's definitely something that's on his mind some of the other books, you know, sometimes they don't know how long they're going to go. So they're trying to write it on both yeah. sides of the fence where they're writing it for a long term, but it could end at some point. So they're trying to get to a point where they could wrap it up. Um, All right. I, I, tough, I, I, you know, I, I know an example of a book that came out this week that I actually that I like a lot, but it's hard to see how far in front of us the end game for Invisible Republic is. Because yeah. they've said, like, you know, it's a lot of issues and it's going to be a while to get there. And they are, seem to be in no hurry. Yeah. And so that could sort of give you that feeling. There's definitely, like, you sort of are living in those little places, and you're telling the history, but there's a lot to it. But honestly, like, that's kind of how old-school comic books always were. I like that. I like yeah. I like luxuriating in a long, epic story. As Sometimes. long as I'm engaged in the characters yeah. in the world. If I'm not, I just don't read it. What's the Western from Jay Ferber? Shane? Shane? <laughs> no, Space Western from, from Jay Ferber. Oh. Um, Space Shane. Space Deadwood. Oh, what was that called? Copperhead. Copperhead. Like, I like it. But there is a bit of me like I don't know why I'm reading it. You know what I don't? I don't know that I'm completely compelled to keep well, going. Well, you're not engaged forever. in the world of the characters, and like I kind of am, but, but it, kind it, of you know, like is, it's competing yeah. with sixty or seventy books, yeah. so that gets harder. It's not that it's bad, but I, I can definitely get that feeling out of that one. Yeah. By the way, uh, Karnak was never exposed to the Terrigen Mists, and his brother oh. is Trit- Triton the Fish Man. I was confusing Triton with Gorgon. Uh, who Gorgon's the horse feet guy? He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is Triton a Murloc? No, no, Triton's just a regular human. Basically. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Tom from Wales, UK, says, As a spry 19-year-old, my young brain needs less time to give a topic of good thinking over, so I took only a few personal days to mull this one over. Well done. All right. I enough. hope this is okay. Anyways, in the last episode, Connor claimed he wanted rid of Damien, while I understand wanting poor Alfred is Earl Grey pouring hand back, what's wrong with Damien? Yes, he is a right little prick when he was first introduced, but between Morrison and, more, more importantly, Tomasi... He said, one of my favorite arcs in recent memory. I'm sorry, Connor, but I'm saying it. He's my favorite Robin. Uh, first of all, we should just delete this email from the server. And for just yeah, we should. Yeah, clearly, yeah. yeah. I appreciate this may get me blacklisted from the show, but I feel this needed to be said. First of all, I'm just gritting my teeth at you being 19. <laughs> you, can't, you can't help that we're angry at you about that. Actually, yeah. I, actually, I thought about this earlier. If you are listening to this show and you are oh, no. 16 or 15. Oh, Jesus. Please reach out to us. I'm very curious <laughs> if anybody's listening who, is, who has not been alive longer than the show. Oh. Or longer than iFanboy. Yeah, longer than the website. Yeah. If yeah. you were born before, after, after 2001. 2000. Yeah, 2000. Yeah, right in. All right. Then that'll be the time to stop. And then I will jump off the Bay Bridge. <laughs> yeah, so um, my problem with Damien, and it's funny because I've been rereading some old Morrison stuff, old Batman Morrison stuff. And we've said in the past that we really liked Damien back then. It was a really interesting story to tell with Damien and Dick Grayson. It was a very interesting dynamic. My problem with Damien is that he completely changes Batman as a character in a way that the other Robins don't. You can, and Josh, I'm going to lean on you a little bit for this, even though it's, a, it's depressing. If, if you lose a kid, it changes you in a way you... It, you don't come back from. 
Right, you don't come back from losing a biological kid. God, it got dark. And I don't mean to disparage non-biological sons and adopted kids and foster kids, but it's very hard to just sweep under the rug a biological son who's been around for this long, as opposed to just another Robin. And it makes telling Batman stories hamstring by that fact, in my opinion. Now, you may disagree. That's totally fine. Well, I mean, there's a context to it. I think, you know, him being younger and coming in at a very different time than you, he's going to have maybe different expectations of it. I mean, the thing is, they can kind of ignore anything they want to if they just make a mind to commit to it. Right. So. Until they do, they, they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're, it's hard to have another Robin. I was thinking you were going to go a different way with it and, and just say, now, is Damien alive or dead now? He's I don't alive. Even, he's alive. Okay. So, I mean, that alone changes the character in the way that, you know, people complained about Spider-Man being married. Bruce Wayne having a biological son who's his changes the character. There's no way to write that honestly and have it not change the character. Right. It gives you a lot less flexibility with a character who used to be the most flexible character in comics. Yeah. Okay. And it also devalues the other. I mean, the the hoops they had to jump through to make it make make sense. You know, we were talking about this on the Bad Blood podcast that for a, a Robin character so popular in Tim Drake who fronted his own series for over 100 issues to now be shunted aside and say, oh, he actually never was a Robin. Yeah, it's pretty crappy. And we don't yeah. really know what to do with him anymore. It's pretty crazy, in fact. Yeah, yeah. And this is all because of Damien. And he had to lose his friggin' father. <laughs> right. Next email, Josh. Michael from Brooklyn, New York. Today's publishers put out ever more product at a time when readership is at an historical low. If the number of comic book readers tripled overnight, do you think the number of titles being produced would also triple? Or would publishers hold back and allow these new readers to consume what is already out there? Well, that's hard to... I, I don't... I, no, I, th- I think that the output would remain the same, just the quantities would increase. I think that they would try to hit more of them. Yeah. Say, I, I don't think it would be proportional. It, would, it wouldn't be true. It would be one I don't one. think it's a direct proportion. No. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That said, knowing what I know about the publishers and all that sort of stuff is that a lot of these companies are built in a way to manage a certain amount of um, product, scale yeah. of product at a, at a time. And yes, it's been increasing steadily over the past couple of years. And we're at a point now where, honestly, there's just a ridiculous amount of stuff being put out. But, uh, you know, they, they wouldn't be they wouldn't just triple immediately. They would slowly grow as well. Yeah. Is that almost that's almost like a long tail kind of thing. Like they, they have to spread out their product because they've got the same number of readers, but those tastes are spread out further. So yeah, but I don't, I, don't think they're, they're, I don't think they're thinking about it that, in that way. No, no, no. They're not spreading it out. They're condensing yeah. it. They're making yeah. people who are already buying Batman buy Batman three times. Yeah. yeah. If you're buying Aquaman, now you've got to buy it twice a month. They're, I mean, the thing is, from a, from a company standpoint, if you your audience increases, all you need to do is print more. You don't actually have to put any more money into it. And you're just making more money. So if they then expanded their staff, basically, uh, they're spending more money to reach those same amount of people. So that wouldn't make sense. It's all completely hypothetical because we don't know how people would react. It's not going to happen. They they wouldn't triple overnight, no. (laughs) Right, yeah. All right, our last email comes from Nick from Melbourne, Australia, uh, who says, because of the upcoming Batman vs. Superman movie, I wanted to go back and get your thoughts on previous Superman movies. I listened to your Superman Returns podcast. I was surprised that the general opinion was that all three of you loved it because I feel the opinion of the public was that movie is quite negative. I wouldn't say we loved it, but my question is, do you still have the same love of Superman Returns after almost 10 years? I'm checking because I don't think even Josh was on that show. I was. I think I was. That's that the Brian. Was, this is this the Brian Singer one, by yeah. 2006. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You were on that show, Josh. I don't remember. It was ten years ago. Huh. I mean, I mean, I, my answer would be at the time, 
I was really, really looking forward to it. I know that I was interviewed. I would have been on it because at that time we were really, we were yes, going yeah. full guns. And, and I remember like we recorded in newspapers and stuff at that yeah. point. And I thought it was going to be a big, huge deal. And I was really looking forward to it because we had liked X-Men and X-Men 2 so much. And it was like we were ready for a Superman movie. You know, it came out. I think it was one of those things where you wanted to like it. So you did like it for a little bit. And then over time, I don't think I don't like it. I know that there's well, a lot of like petty problems, but like, I don't think about it. Basically, I think the thing I mean, it's funny because I've actually been thinking about this quite a bit because we've been living in a world with Brandon Routh back in our lives through watching DC's Legend of Tomorrow, which, yep. by the way, is awesome. Yep. And part of that has been we're going, oh, yeah, Brandon Routh. And just the other night, I was thinking about how he was in Superman. And the thing about it was, like, I don't think there was anything wrong with that movie. It was a take on Superman, but it was spectacularly unremarkable in yes. that I don't think I ever went back and watched it again. That's basically what I said. I've watched it a couple times since. Yeah. And I own it on Blu-ray. I like it. It's definitely a flawed film, but yeah. it has some really great things in it. it. It's got problems. It's one of those things where Brian Singer hewed too close to the original in his attempt to honor it and also sort of told an incomprehensible story with whatever Lexus plant was, which I still don't know what it was. Real estate. Real estate, Connor. Right, by growing some sort of weird craggly island that Otisburg? no one would ever want to live on. Otisburg. And casting really terrible Lois Lane. Other than uh, that, I, think, I thought Brandon Routh was really good, and I thought there was a lot of really good sequences in it. It's still a fun the movie The first sequence me. was really good, and that was what I wanted. Well, let's, let's, that, let's not forget who did, the, who did the plane sequence. That's Gabriel, Gabriel Hardman. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, you know, I remember being there and thinking, all right, the last time we saw a Superman movie, they, they, you know, effects weren't for shit, but now they can do a thing. And the first thing out of the gate was having him, like, save that airplane, you know, being Superman. And I was like, yeah. And then after that, I didn't realize until afterwards that they didn't want up that in any way. Yeah. yeah and then I started, yeah. like, I didn't walk out of it thinking, oh, all that was bad. But then I had everybody tell me it was bad. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Those things are bad. But, like, I didn't think about it when I watched it. I liked the aesthetic of it. I liked <laughs> the, the design. I liked most of the character, or, you know, the actors and the characters they played. You're right. In terms of a sort of a big climax moment of the film, it was kind of disappointing. Yeah. The weird stalker Superman stuff was weird. The sun was a bad idea. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, the, the floating outside the house. That was yeah. weird. But, but yeah. the first act i really love a lot yeah. i like the fact you know we came in the middle superman was already established he was off on a mission yes yeah there's really good elements to it but there's also some really bad elements to it yeah i like it more than other movies that's not yeah it's not saying a lot no other superman movies i mean it's this is it the second or third best superman movie well i did a top five superman movie article on my fanboy i'm looking at it right now where does it rank top five live action superman films i ranked it number two yeah wow yeah. yes it is. Superman two is tough to watch. Superman two is terrible. Yeah, it re- like when Super- I was a kid, I, I was Superman like, 2. I love it. I, I did too, and then I bought it, uh, and I because I was like, watch oh, it again as an adult. T- it's unwatchable. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. I ranked Superman. This is before Man of Steel came out. Superman the movie, Superman Returns, Superman three, Superman two, Superman four. Wow, Man of Steel is not in there, right? Well, this is before. This was we were. I know, but it's not before. in there anyway. Yeah. If it's the top five, uh, I could. Make a case for being not having Superman four. four. Yeah. 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 I love Superman three so much. Yeah, me too. I, I like Superman three as well too. All right. So there you go. <laughs> 
All right. Well, thank you for your emails and your questions. You can please keep them coming. Good work by Nick, Michael, Tom, and Eric. Uh, email us at com- about some ladies. I don't know. Just yeah. Li- so listen, if you're a female, uh, 16 years old. Wait a minute. If you're a 16 year old female, <laughs> right? Stop. In, Stop. No, if you if you like my blue heaven, if you're born after 2000, if you're a woman, <laughs> write in contact at ifanboy.com. Tell us who you are, where you're from, and keep your question short, just about a paragraph, and don't forget how long you thought about it. So speaking of movies we liked, Deadpool. I don't know why I said Daredevil because it's coming up. Deadpool is still dominating the box office. So if you have seen the film, you still haven't listened to our podcast, you can still find it in the feed where Ron and I talked about Deadpool for well, – we gushed over it, let's just be honest, for a while. Yeah. So you can check that out if you still haven't seen it. If you've seen it again, so find that on the feed. And there's a whole bunch of films coming up, so we're about to enter March. And so we'll have a Daredevil podcast and we'll be a Batman Superman podcast coming at you in March. And, of course, we do another podcast that uh, you might want to check out. It's called Goodfellas Minute. And you can go to goodfellasminute.com where you can subscribe and listen to episodes there. We just recently had our good friend David Uslin who knew Henry Hill and uh, he was a guest on this past week. And we're getting close to the end of the movie. But if you haven't started listening to it, you don't need to worry about the new episodes. It's all going to be there forever, evergreen content. Go back, start listening to episode one. Enjoy the best Martin Scorsese says he picture along with us so go to goodfellasminute.com check that out and you go over to good ifanboy.com <laughs> again they'll go to goodfellas uh go to ifanboy.com you can comment on this show i am sure that people are going to come back on us about superman 2 yep. i'm sure of it yeah. <laughs> that movie is garbage directed oh, wow. by richard lester it's garbage. really like richard lester maybe you should I go watch richard it lester a hard day's yeah. night instead the movie was directed by two different people. It started off, Richard Donner started directing it, and then they fired right. him in the middle, and they brought another director in. Shocking that the movie is bad. Yeah. Yeah, there's great things about it. I mean, it's a great Zod. And I've also, just to head off the comments, I've seen the Richard Donner cut. It is still unwatchable. Yes, yeah. I agree. Head over <laughs> that diner scene, though. Sure. So Go good. to ifanboy.com. You can comment on the show. Like we said, you can talk about the other books. Uh, this, it's all going to be Superman 2, I know. And you can find all the other podcasts and video shows and some of those articles like Connor mentioned that we've done. That's all there. You can just put in a search term and see what kind of crazy stuff comes up. <laughs> Connor sent me my uh, scalped review pick of the week The week that the Black Lanterns came out. The week that Darkest Night came out. You Darkest Night, yeah. I use a lot of claws. Blackest Night. Blackest guy. Night. You, you picked scalped. Much yeah. Like I'm still with it, by the way. At the end, I... If I had to trade Blackest Night for Scalp, I think I know where I'm going on that. You can follow us on Facebook.com slash iFanboy or at iFanboy on Twitter. And individually, we are at J.A. Flanning and at C.S. Kilpatrick and at Ron XO. Yes, and if you like the show, if you like what you're hearing, if you like this podcast, go to iTunes, write a review. Actually, I was just reading recently about how Apple is rejiggering their whole podcast section, and and reviews continue to be an important part of that, and we thank everybody who's written a review up to this point. And if you like another podcast you listen to, whether it's Goodfellas Minute or any other comic book podcast or anything else out there, always write a review. It's good to help spread the word. And better yet, tell your friends, tell your comic book store, tell anybody you know about uh, this podcast as well as Goodfellas Minute, and get them listening, help us spread the word, and we thank everybody who's on that. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. As always, we'll be back next week. Until then, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I'm Neil before Zod. <laughs> Just Neil, Neil before you your mind? Zod? Zod? Name is Neil before Zod? <laughs> it's, it's, it's Polish. Is that French? Neil before Zod. Oh, no, Neil, it's Croatian. Neil, oh, Neil before Zod. <laughs> we could be daytime drunks if we wanted. We'd never get
just... I just want it in the flaky pastry. Okay, fine. Then. What are you doing? I'm wrinkling up your jacket like you're wrinkling up your pants. What are you talking about? Why? You bought a $1,200 suit. You come home, you hang up the jacket, but you're laying around in your pants. You're wrinkling the pants. Give me your pants. I'll hang them up for you. What happens? Give me your pants. What happens is the pants are going to have to go to the dry cleaners more often than the jacket. And pretty soon, you end up with a suit that doesn't quite match. I should take this down to that pressing machine. I'll tell you what. Since we're going to stay in, order me the macaroni and cheese and get me one of those little bottles of wine because I really don't want to drink too much. Will I need change for that pressing machine? No, no, they're gonna have change down there. I'll be back in about five minutes, okay?